for us here. Uh, we were sitting there, Kathy and I, her dad, Don Earl, was the minister of music here for six or seven years back in the mid-70s. Uh, Don and Francis, and uh, we have so many wonderful memories there. I don't know where Dean Thrift is. Dean, where did Dean go? He may be cooked. There you are. Uh, Dean, when y'all were singing up here, I looked over there and Kathy was wiping her eyes. And uh, she said, Dean used to sing with my daddy. And I said, some of y'all may remember that. But so many, so many memories here. Uh, Kathy and I uh, were dating back then, uh, courting for you older folks back in the mid-70s. Uh, she was chasing me all over Oconee County, and, uh, and she was going to church here, so now who was chasing who, I guess you could say, but uh, so I, I remember I remember a lock-in, Keith, I don't know if Keith Carr, you remember the lock-in, we, we spent the night in this little white building up here, I don't even know if it's still there, a little white building behind the church, spent the night there one night, in the lock-in, said I'd never do that again, but uh, it was... Uh, so, so many, so many good, good memories here uh, at Westminster. Uh, Preacher Stancil, uh, your dad, married my mom and dad uh, about 65 years ago. One of your former pastors, I believe, married my mom and dad 65, 67 years ago. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of good memories. I want to thank you, Brother Kenny, for the opportunity to be here. I love Kenny and Lynn Owen, and you're blessed to have them here. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm D-O-M, so you remember that for your pastor, and, and you, you love on he and his family. Buddy Byers, I love Buddy Byers. Good to see you, Buddy. Uh, Buddy and I, I preached a revival up at Pleasant Ridge several years ago when I first came to, uh, back as D-O-M, and Buddy led the music that week. And uh, we just decided after that uh, series of services, we are just going to buy us a bus and hit the road, wasn't we, Buddy? Buddy's going to sing and I was going to preach. And uh, so we're taking up a love offering after the service for that bus. As uh, <laughs> soon as we get enough money, buddy, we're going to do that, right? Amen. And uh, Brother John, it's good to see John Compton. In fact, Don, uh, my father-in-law, was a worship minister, minister of music when you were pastor here. He actually came when Stuart Sims was pastor here. And then uh, Brother John came. So uh, it's good to see all of you and so many memories here uh, today. As I thought about homecoming, thought about looking back, celebrating the past, I, uh, Mark, the, the music was phenomenal. I, the song that, that, that you sing, we will remember, we remember, we sang a few minutes ago. So much to remember, such a rich heritage, uh, such a rich history here. Uh, and so today as you celebrate the past, that, that's a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing to do that. I was, as we were riding up this morning, we came through Seneca. And, of course, I grew up down there in Seneca running around the Utica Mill Hill. My dad worked 45 years in the cotton mill down there, and I'm just an old Mill Hill boy. And um, my, I dress up, but my wife says a lot of times I'm still very Mill Hillian. And uh, some of y'all can understand that. But uh, she says, you acting Mill Hillian again. But that's a good thing. I think Jesus was Mill Hillian when he cleansed the temple, Brother Kenny. I think when Jesus went in there and cleansed the temple, he was acting Mill Hillian. That was all right. But... Um, we were riding through Seneca, and I, I was going down memory lane myself as we were thinking about coming here for homecoming. And uh, riding through Seneca, I, I know that uh, uh, some of you remember all of this. Y'all remember uh, Harper's Five and Dime? Rode by Harper's Five and Dime, and it was closed down, of course, about to fall in. And I remember you used to go in there, and you know, when I was a little kid, you'd go in there on the, on the Chamber of Commerce side, and right there was the cashews and the popcorn and the ices. And, of course, now you've got to put them cashews on layaway for Christmas. Them things so expensive. But um, 
But I, I remember I'd always go by there and get me a bag of popcorn and then go down the steps down there where the toys were. Y'all remember the toy section? Yeah, I mean, toys down there. And when you go down them steps at, at, at Harper's Five and Diamonds, you hit the bottom step, right there on the right was the goldfish. And little gerbils and things, all them little pets. And I remember all that. But I was riding by there this morning. It was like it's about to fall in on the inside. And right past that was uh, uh, Cleveland's Gospel Supply. I know y'all remember Cleveland's Gospel Supply. Right past that was the old Belks, Gallant Belt back then. Uh, I tell you, the memories of Gallant Belk. Y'all remember you could go in about 12 different ways on both sides of the street to get in Belks back then. And I don't have any good memories of Belks. When I was a little kid, um, you know, y'all remember Miss Shirley used to work there in the shoes. And you go in one side over on Chamber of Commerce side, you walk in, and, and that's where the cosmetics were. You ladies probably, some of y'all remember that. And you go by the cosmetics, and there were steps that went upstairs, and then right there was the shoe department. Then you went down another set of steps, and that was the bedspreads and all that stuff. And then you go over there in the men's and boys' department. Here's why I don't have any good memories of belts. But my mom, when I was about that tall and I was about that wide, um, belts never moved. They always sold those husky pants. Some of you fellas can relate. Y'all know what I'm talking about, husky pants. Don't be looking like husky pants. They sold them husky pants, big boy pants. And uh, they never moved them. My entire life growing up, they never moved the husky pants. They were always on the same location. And they're right there beside the Boy Scout clothes. Y'all remember back there on the back wall was the Boy Scout clothes. And uh, right beside them was the husky pants. And my mom, I love her, she's 90 years old, right at it, 90, and, and, but, but every single time, they never moved them, every single time we would walk in the cosmetic section, and my mama, as loud as she could, would say, could you tell me where your husky pants are? I said, mama, won't you just tell the whole story? I got a fat kid here, where's your big pants? I said, mama, they ain't moved them, come on. So I never did like gallant belts, never did like belts. But uh, I ride by there now, and I think husky pants, first thing that comes to mind. But, but things sure have changed. The old Seneca Cinema or movie theater there across, you know, where Durham's uh, hair uh, barbershop is. So much has changed as we look back uh, over the years. And as I was thinking about that, I, I, I got a little nostalgic. We just had our first grandson. And, uh, man, he is handsome. He is cute like me. I mean, he is just precious. He looks just like his papa. Uh, they did ask me, Kenny, what do you want to be called? Dana and Andrew says, you know, they asked us, his grandparents said, what do y'all want to be called? You know, Kathy said, well, I want to be Mama. You know, you got Mama, Nene, and all that stuff, you know. Now they write songs about all that, but Mama. And, uh, and they looked at me and says, what do you want to be called? And I said, well, I'm going to be the coolest grandpa in the world. I said, I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to be your typical grandpa. I'm going to be the cool, I said, I want to be cool pops. And so Andrew, my son-in-law, he, he says, well, you know good and well that the kid's not going to be able to say cool pops. He said, he's going to be 20-year-old introducing you saying, this is my Koopa. You know, because that's all he remembers saying growing up, this is my Koopa. But, but anyway, I, 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 got, I got to thinking, folks, as we think about the past, as we think about now and the future and celebrating the heritage and the history here, things sure have changed over the years. And I don't know that a lot of it's for the better. Things are sure different around than when we were growing up. You know, I, I discovered shortly after I came back as DOM, we no longer live, now hear me say this, we no longer live in the Bible Belt. 
We, we've heard most of us all of our life, we're blessed to have been raised in the Bible Belt. We, we no longer live in the Bible Belt. Those days are long gone. And, and, and I hope that you understand that. You see, we live in a day where, I don't know, around, 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 around about 75,000 people live in Oconee County. 75,000 people. On an average Sunday, like today, 9.3%. Just round it up to 10%. On an average Sunday, 10% of our population is in God's house. 75,000 people on an average Sunday, 9.3% are in God's house. The, the days that we uh, were, were blessed to grow up in, when I was being raised there going to Utica Baptist Church, I, I, I thought everybody went to church. I thought that's just, everybody went to church. But those days are, are different now. I remember, and I'm going to jump into this in just a second, and I realize it's a dangerous thing to be between people and food, so I'm going to keep that in mind. But, but hear me say this. Um, I was at a school board meeting a few years ago when they were discussing having prayer. And I, I have nothing against our school board. I love those folks. But they were discussing having prayer prior to their meetings. There was someone who had filed a complaint or registered a complaint. I don't know that it was an official complaint. And so they asked a couple pastors to come and, and share about the importance of praying before their meetings. And, and I was one of those that went. And I never will forget this. The gentleman who was representing the Americans for Separation of Church and State was sitting on one side of the room. We got through sharing. And that man stood up. And he looked over there at me and he said, you men representing the faith community, you've lost your voice in this county. You've lost your voice in this county. And more esteem come out my ears. Remember, I grew up on the Mill Hill. But as I sat there fuming, God said, you know what, he's right. We, we've lost our voice in this county. And so I began to pray. This was years ago. I began to pray that God would do something amazing. I challenged our pastors. I challenged our churches to, to begin joining in, in this prayer for revival, for spiritual awakening. You remember we had spiritual awakening Oconee services several years ago. And so I began to pray that God would do something in this county spiritually that, that only He could get the credit for and something like we had never seen before. And having said that, turn with me to Isaiah 64. And I want to share with you a journey that God has... Has, has led me on and, and a journey that I've shared with many of you along the way. And, and I just want to sort of bring you up to speed on where we are as we pray about and think about not only celebrating the past, but where are we headed? What, what, what kind of world would my grandson and your children and, and your grandchildren, what kind of world will they grow up in? It'll be very different than the world we grew up in. In, in, in Isaiah 64, I began to pray for God to, to, to do a mighty work in Oconee County. And God led me to this passage of Scripture six years ago. And I began to pray this and cry over this and pray this. In fact, in Isaiah 64, you have what I think in verse 1 is the greatest definition of revival that you'll find in the Bible and from my perspective. It, it, it says here, now everybody look at me, you've got to grasp this. This is written by a desperate prophet. You've got to watch this. A desperate, desperate, desperate man of God. A desperate man of God who was living in dark times. A desperate man of God who was living in a day in which people had turned their backs upon God. A desperate man of God who was broken over the condition of his nation. And so this desperate man of God falls before God in desperation. Please keep that in mind. In desperation. And watch this. He cries out to God and he says, Oh God, I pray that you would rend open the heavens. Pull the curtain back. Just open up the curtain of heaven and step out and walk among us. Make your presence known. And he says in that verse that if you'll do that, the mountains will tremble at your presence. 
And he says in the next verse that when you do that, fire will come. And, and people will, 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 will tremble at thy presence. You see, one of the problems we have in America today is we've lost the fear of God. And so what we have here is this desperate prophet. He says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, pull the curtain back, open up, that thou wouldest come down. Isn't that what we need for God to come down in our midst? That's what we so desperately need, is that God would come down and make His presence known. Notice that when God comes down, the mountains might flow. One translation says, quake at thy presence. You see, folks, everybody watch this. When God shows up, things get shaken up. And I began to pray. Not that I have the answer, not that I'm the, 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 the foremost authority on it, but I began to pray, God, rend open the heavens and come down and just shake us up. I've prayed, Kenny, I've prayed that God would get a hold. We've got 66 churches in our association. I have literally prayed, God, get a hold of these churches and shake them to the core. God, do something in our churches that only you can do. And it says there in verse 2 that when God comes, not only will there be a shaking, folks, anytime God shows up, things get shaken up. Amen? But it says in verse 2 there that there will be a fire that accompanies His presence. Now, we know that fire purifies. We understand that. But fire also illuminates. What do you mean by that, David? What I mean by that is when things are illuminated, watch this, when God shows up and things are illuminated, we begin to see God for who He really is, but we also then begin to see ourselves for who we really are. And so I began to pray that God would just send a great revival to Oconee County, that God would do something that, that only He could do. And so I began to pray, Isaiah 64, verses 1 and 2. And you've got to understand that this was prayed by a man who was desperate. I had lunch years ago with a missionary who came back from the foreign field. And he saw God do some mighty things where he was serving. And I asked him over lunch, I said, what, what, what did you... He had been back here for a number of months. I said, what have you noticed in what God was doing in the foreign country and what you see in the churches you've been in since you've been back? What's the difference? And sitting at Fats Cafe, that missionary looked at me and he said this. He said, David, he says, when our churches get as desperate for God as a drowning man is for air to breathe, he says, we'll begin to see God move in our midst. We're not desperate. This prayer in Isaiah 64 was prayed by a desperate man who was broken over the condition of where his nation was headed. And so he cries out before God in desperation, Oh God, you've got to come and do something. And so he cries out and he prays that prayer. So I began to pray that prayer. Prayed it and prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. And, and then one day, again, on this spiritual journey, God says, all right. And he leads me to Isaiah chapter 6. Flip over to Isaiah 6. Turn back to your left just a few pages. Again, being a good steward of our time. In Isaiah 6, God leads me from Isaiah 64 to Isaiah 6. An amazing passage of Scripture here. Isaiah Chapter 6. So I'm, I'm crying out to God for this spiritual awakening to take place in Oconee that will impact our future, that will have an impact upon my children and my grandchildren, that, that, that will turn this tide of, of only 10% of our people attending church, of, of, of apathy towards God, of apathy towards God's Word, of apathy towards the church. And so God then leads me from Isaiah 64 to Isaiah 6. It's a familiar passage to some of you. I love verse 1. A lot of people just read through verse 1 and, and move right on. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Well, a lot of people just fly right through that in the year that King Uzziah died. He reigned for like 52 years. 
Watch this. This is, this is a message within a message. He reigned for like 52 years. He was the only king that a lot of people had ever known. He was a good king, fairly good king. And, and so he died. The implication here is that in the year that King Uzziah died, people were pacing the floor. They were walking around in panic. They were upset about, what, what in the world are we going to do? What's going to happen now? The king has died. Sort of like sometimes we do with things in our nation. What, what in the world are we going to do now? Well, look at the verse. In the year that Uzziah died, when we were pacing the floor, God was seated upon his throne. God is still in control. Amen? God is still in control. But notice this. Here's where God led me. I, I, he leads me to this passage, and I begin to read it and study it and read it and study it. And, and here's what he showed me. He says, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Folks, I want you to understand something. God is still God, and he is still seated upon his throne. And so I begin to study this. It says, the train of his robe filled the temple. The implication of that, and as you study this passage and the way it was written, is that the train of his robe went up the room and down the room and up the room and down the room and up the room and down the room and up the room and down the room. It literally means the train of his robe filled the room. You say, well, what, what's that got to do with anything? It's talking about the majesty and the splendor and the awesomeness of God. And so God leads me to this passage and I began to study it and I dive into it. And notice it says, picture God, verse 2. And above his throne stood the seraphims, plural, angels, hovering around God's throne. Verse 3. And these angels, one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. A trifecta there in the Hebrew language that, that is implying you need to listen to this. You need to grasp this. Anytime something is repeated like that, it's don't miss this point. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It is a chorus that has been going on throughout the eons of time. God is seated upon a throne. The train of his robe fills the temple. Hovering around him on each side are columns of angels. This column cries out to this column. Holy, holy, holy. They echo it back. Have you ever thought about of all the things, all the words, the descriptions God could have chosen for the angels to cry out to describe him? The one that he chose was holy. You know what the word holy means? It means basically he's set apart. He's different than us. What, what is all of this telling us? Well, let's look at this. One cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy. Verse 4. And the post of the door moved. Again, in the presence of God, things begin to shake. Things begin to shake. The post of the door began to move at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah says, Woe is me, in verse 5, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king. In other words, watch this. Go back to what I said earlier. God, rend open the heavens. Make your presence known. Shake. The mountains will tremble. The fire will fall. We will see you for who you are. We will see ourselves for who we are. Isaiah here got a glimpse of the throne room of God. And when he did, he says, woe is me. Folks, when we see God, watch this. When we see God for who he is, we'll see ourselves for who we are and we won't like what we see. And so I began to pray, God, what, what has this got to do with the future and spiritual awakening in Oconee? God, what has this got to do with it? And God's leading me on this journey. And God says, first of all, you've got to be desperate. 
You want a spiritual awakening? You want to see God do something in this church? You want to see God do something in this county like we've never seen before? Are you desperate for it? And then the second thing God says is put me back up on my throne. You see, what I mean by that, folks, is we've, watch this, we've taken God down from His throne and we've humanized Him. We've made Him our good buddy, the old man upstairs, a holy Santa Claus, our co-pilot. God is not your co-pilot. He is God Almighty. And we've got to put Him back up on His throne and we've got to quit making Him our good friend and, and our old pal. He is God Almighty and the angels hover around about crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. God says, you want to see a spiritual revival? You want to see spiritual awakening in this county? You've got to be desperate for it and put me back on my throne. We've got to do that. And so, man, I began, God showed me this and I began to pray. Just like I did in Isaiah 64. God, I, we've got to have this spiritual awakening. And so I began to pray, oh God, I, you are holy, holy. And I began to pray that. Put God back up on his throne, back up on his throne. And then the final point I want to share with you is I'm praying this sometime back. And I'm thinking, okay, we're getting close. We've got to be desperate for God and we've got to put him back up on his throne. We've got to be getting close. And then one day while I'm praying... And I'm crying. And I'm literally crying over the world that my grandson will grow up in. I'm literally crying over, dear God, I, I don't know what kind of, his name is Lion. Uh, Dana is, is a coach at Seneca and her husband's a football coach. They're going to have two more children. They're going to have tiger and bear. But anyway, um, that's a joke. That's not some, that was a joke. But I, I, I literally began to pray. One day I was keeping him. One evening I was keeping him and I was giving him his bottle. Five months old, I was giving him his bottle. And he was, he was about to go to sleep. And I was just looking at that little dude. And I started crying. I started praying for him. God, I don't know what kind of world he's going to grow up in. And I began to pray for him that God would use him to grow him up into a mighty man of God. And, and I was so burdened over this. And so I began to pray again. Oh, God, we need you to rend open the heavens. And, oh, God, we've got to put you back up on your throne. And then God leads me to one last passage, and I'm through. Turn with me to Psalm 24. And this is where I'm at in this journey for the spiritual awakening. This is, this is literally where I'm at today. In Psalm 24, as I'm praying and crying out in desperation for God to, to do something in this county that only he could do. Only he could do. It can't be planned from below. It's got to come from above. And so I began to pray in desperation that God would send this spiritual awakening. And God leads me to this passage and it blew me away. In Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Now watch this, everybody look. Paint the picture. You want spiritual awakening? You want to change this county? Are you desperate for me? <laughs> Have you put me back up on my throne? And then he leads me here. In verse 3, we're asking for God to make His presence known in our midst. It says, well, who can stand before God? Verse 3 of Psalm 24, who can ascend into his, the hill of the Lord? Or, or who can stand in His holy place? Who is able to stand before God? This is literally where God led me. From Isaiah 64 in desperation to Isaiah 6, put Him back up on His throne. And I'm praying this and God says, all right, you want me to come? Then who's going to be able to stand before me? In verse 3, who can stand before God? And then the psalmist answers it in verse 4. Only he with clean hands and a pure heart. 
Wow, guys, I'm going to tell you this hit me right between the eyes because what God was telling me is I'm crying out to God for, for Him to make His presence known. And God is saying this, you want spiritual awakening in the churches of this county? It starts with us. Our hands clean and our hearts pure. Wow. I remember reading many years ago about a revival, a spiritual awakening that took place in Scotland. Prior to that spiritual awakening taking place, there was a, a group of about 16 young men in their mid-twenties. Picture this. Many years ago, 16 young men in their mid-twenties who met every single evening for months. Every single evening for months in a barn to pray. They wanted no distractions. And these young men met and they cried out for Scotland for spiritual awakening. They cried out on behalf of their country that God would do something there. And they prayed and they cried and they prayed and they cried and they prayed and nothing ever happened. Several of them for months. Until one night, true story, one of the young men in the midst of that prayer meeting, God began to speak to his heart and he stood up and he stopped the whole thing. He said, whoa. And this is exactly what he said in his, you can imagine in his... He says, it seems to me to be sentimental humbug rubbish to be praying as we're praying, to be waiting as we're waiting when we ourselves are not rightly related to God. God led him to this passage in the midst of his prayer that evening. And, and what God showed him was they were wasting their time crying out for this to happen and that to happen when they themselves were not rightly related to God. And he shared this passage with the other young men there. It starts with our hands being clean and our hearts being pure. And instead of crying out, those men turned that meeting inwardly and they began to cry out and confessing sin and getting right with one another and, 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 and crying out to God for repentance. And it was shortly after that that the greatest spiritual awakening that Scotland has ever experienced came. Here I am down here at the Beaver Dam Association office and I'm having a man stick his finger at me and say... You've lost your voice in this county. I look at the statistics and see that 10% of our population attends church on Sunday. And I'm burdened by it. And so I'm crying out in desperation, Isaiah 64. And then I'm crying out, Isaiah 6, putting God back up on his throne. And then God says, what about your hands? And what about your heart? You see, folks, I love what this verse says verse 5 says he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation that man with clean hands and a pure heart shall receive the blessing from the Lord you celebrate 180 plus years today here at Westminster First a rich heritage a rich history a good history Many wonderful men of God have stood behind this pulpit. We celebrate the past today. But what about the future? What about the future? This world is changing rapidly. 
And I think the time is desperate for God's people to cry out to God in desperation for God to rend open the heavens and make His presence known in our midst. I think the time has come for God's people to put God back up on His throne. But I also think it's time, and God has shown me this, that we all look at our hands and we search our hearts. Because what God showed me, David, if we, if you really are serious about this thing of spiritual awakening for this county, look at your hands and look at your heart. Would you bow your heads? Heads bowed and, and eyes closed. Again, we celebrate a wonderful, wonderful 184 years here today. It's, it's a good thing to celebrate those years. It's a good thing to, to smile about the memories. It's a good thing to even shed some tears about the past and some things that you remember from the past. It's a good thing to do all of that. But what about the next generation? What about those that we're going to hand this church off to one day? What are we leaving them? I heard an old preacher tell, say one time in a, in a sermon, our job in the church today is to leave it in better shape than we found it for the next generation. We need a spiritual awakening in this county. We need revival in our churches. On this journey that God has had me on, I have no idea where it will end. I Well, I do. It's going to end in heaven one day, but... Here on this earth, all I know is at this point, God has said we've got to be desperate for it. So ask yourself as we wrap this service up, are you desperate for God to make His presence known? Are you really desperate? Can you sit here today and say, God, I am desperate. As a drowning man is for air to breathe, I'm desperate for you to make your presence known. Are you desperate? Be honest. Are you desperate? And then the second question is, have you taken God down from his throne and made him your good buddy? The angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Don't make him your co-pilot. He is God Almighty. Put him back up on his throne. And then finally, look at your hands and look at your heart and ask God to convict you, to reveal to you anything in your life that would be a hindrance to his presence showing up and shaking us up. Father, I cry out to you on behalf of this county, our state, our nation. God, we need you. God, we need you. But God, I, as a pastor for 20 plus years, I, I, I confess, God, that sometimes it's just so easy to to do that church thing and God just to, everything is just hunky-dory behind the stained glass windows of our churches but God outside this world is, is losing morality and we're drifting further and further and further away from you God may our voice be loud and may our voice be strong and God may you rend open the heavens and God tear down the mountains and God may the fire of revival fall God, may we put you back up on the throne. May the words holy, holy, holy echo from your churches. And oh God, may repentance and confession come and, and forgiveness follow that. And God, may, 
then we await what you have in store for us because none of us in this room today have ever seen what you can do in this county, God, when you rend open those heavens. God, do something that no man can take credit for. Do something that no church can take credit for. Do something, God, in this county that only you can do. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Kenny will be standing here at the front. Are you desperate for God?